0: Va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Özil. Marca Mesut Özil. El centro de
1: Özil y gol. Gol
0: del Arsenal. Gol de Giroud.
1: This is Askcast Extra. Hello there, and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, how's it all going? How was your weekend?
0: It was very good, thank you. It was... It was uh, oh, right, well, the big news, of course. Uh, jam and Buttergate continues to unfold. Really? Yes. I mean... Uh, as you'll be aware, we've never really had a reaction like it, have we, to anything we've ever talked about?
1: No, it's it's uh, for all the football, for all the interest that people have in football and what Arsenal do and transfers and results and big games. Butter and Jamgate is clearly the most pressing issue on the minds of, of our listenership, which is great to know. It's good to, to after 91 episodes to find out what people are really interested in.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, I don't know why we didn't start with that, to be honest. Um, but I was out on Friday night in central London um, in a bar in Soho and a man came up to me to shake my hand. His name was Maz, if he's listening, uh, because he uh, he too is an exponent of the butter and jam toast theory. Wow. Uh, and I have to say... I mean I haven't done the maths but I I feel like the people are with me. Uh,
1: I I would I would go with that I have to say having having uh, been bombarded by it on Twitter <laughs> in the immediate aftermath of the podcast and pretty much all week <laughs> I would say yes. Butter and jam is the clear winner.
0: Absolutely. Now has that given you any pause for reconsideration? No or? no
1: not at all. What it's done is essentially uh, consolidated my position as the jam only guy because it, right. essentially what you are, you butter and jam people, you're like Westlife. You know what I mean? Oof. Super, super popular. Everyone, everyone loves Westlife. But we uh, jam only people. We're like the cool band that uh, there are only a few people like. That Actually, people, people heard of before they were even cool. So that's what we are. Yeah. So you're Westlife and we're, I don't know. I don't know any bands who are cool actually so it's a bad analogy. No, I know.
0: So That's the one the one floor <laughs> yeah. <in> this analogy. <laughs> but hey, I um, I'm, I'm don't comfortable.
1: Either. I'm comfortable where I, I am. I
0: don't either, but what why would I? Because I'm a populist, you see. You
1: yeah, absolutely are. Appealing
0: to the masses.
1: Yeah, 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 you're the you're the X factor. You are the the what what's the thing? What are you like um uh Jason Statham Simon movie.
0: All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Jason Statham movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you know it's like in, in every in every Jason Statham movie, he eats toast with butter and jam. It's like his trademark. Is not it? <laughs>
1: it's his killer movie. Other, yeah, exactly.
0: Otherwise, people will be turned away from the cinema. I we discussed. Mm. Well, look. So that's basically that's been the that's mainly been my week, to be honest. Dealing with the fallout from that. Um, what about yourself? Any news from from that side of the sea?
1: No, not really. Not really. I think I've got a bit of a cold, um, which is which is annoying. But uh, oh. generally generally a quiet weekend, enjoying, you know, the football and enjoying just life, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Well that's good. Yeah, no no dramas. No dramas. That's a good thing.
0: No drama no, like Mary J. Blige, no more drama in <laughs> your life.
1: <laughs> is she a cool band? Could could we be Mary J. Blige?
0: I don't think I mean that no. song's about fifteen years old, I don't think. I think I've shown myself up, if anything. Um so, Arsenal. Yes. That's why they, we're here, not, did, not actually they, butter yeah. and jam. It's not all about you know uh, bread products and yeah, preserves, exactly. Um, well, that could be, couldn't it? I mean, we could spin it out. Uh, no, the game was good, wasn't it? Three 0 Yeah, it was quite reminiscent of the Watford
1: game, wasn't it? Because in the first half, yeah, both teams, true. both teams had chances to 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 score. Uh, certainly, uh, Swansea had a brilliant chance, didn't they? In the um, about 20 minutes in when Gomis went through. Um, right. And, well, I mean, look, I think there was uh, an element of shitness to what Gomis did when he went through, right? I think right. that's fair yep. to say, that he he kind okay. of fluffed that chance. But at the same time, there were two things that struck me. One was the fact that Petr Cech didn't go down early and didn't didn't give him an easy decision to make. You know, he kind of stood up and in a sense thwarted him with some just physical presence
0: uh, yeah but- it was like a mind game wasn't it mm. you know it was that thing of who's going to go fast his positioning was really good he didn't come too far and get stranded outside the box in a sort of Ambuna-esque fashion no. but equally he he didn't commit didn't go to ground so it forced Gomez to think about it And for a guy who gets caught offside that often, that may present a bit of a problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, this is a guy who, when it comes right down to it, his first thought is to be a gigantic cat.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I have to say, <laughs> I don't. I obviously don't. Never want to see the opposition score, but that might be my favourite celebration in the Premier League. It's so strange, isn't
1: it? It really is odd. It really is odd. So I think you know, perhaps there was there was a touch of the feline to his uh, decision making there. But the second thing about that whole thing was Hector Bellerin sprinting back, making up what thirty yards. Maybe 30 yards yeah, on Yeah, I,
0: I think he sort of, you know, he broke the space-time continuum in, in that passage of play. Yeah. He was that fast. Uh, I think he's probably stuck back in like 1995 or something now. Yeah. You know, some sort of weird back to the future thing. Yeah, exactly. He, if, um, if, if
1: he turns up to a training today in a DeLorean, nobody would be surprised yeah. wearing a kind of a... He would make a good Marty McFly, wouldn't he, Hector Bellerin? He kind of got that useful, so. that useful charm to him. Could imagine him skateboarding. And then being chased by a load of Tottenham fans, and and then all the Tottenham fans getting uh, covered in in poo from like a lorry, like what happened to Biff.
0: Yeah, and that hair on the big screen, wow. Yeah, it looked great. Mm. But um, I, I thought he did brilliantly. But I think you're right that check what check did effectively allowed allowed him to get back. You know, it was kind of a, a combined joint effort. But the, the recovery pace was insane, and he also produced that. Uh, block on the line where he's crashed into the post albeit in an offside situation but I thought we talk about his attacking play a lot um, so it was great to see a couple of big defensive contributions from him
1: yeah and I think it's the defensive awareness you know because if I was playing football and I you know a guy like Gomez went through I probably would have just stood there going oh fuck this is going to be a goal now any minute Yep, there it is. And now he's a big cat. But, you know, uh, that's probably why I never played top-level football. That and the, you know, the complete lack of talent. But um, just to be that switched on and to, uh, in a way, you know, when you see a player make a run into a box from an attacking position, sometimes that effort is rewarded because the ball falls for them. Um, like Vermalin, it used to happen quite a lot to Vermalin, didn't it? he'd sort of just pop up in the box somewhere and it's like oh fuck what the yeah. hell is, A what the hell is he doing there and B oh good there's a goal and they, it worked in a similar way from a defensive point of view that he just sort of dug in and, and got rewarded for, for that effort
0: yeah I think it's awareness but it's also desire as you say a lot of players I think would have given that up um, but he didn't and Obviously, that was a massive, massive point in the game because Swansea probably had the better of the chances in the first half. We didn't we didn't really click, did we? I mean, I don't know what was behind that, if there was a bit of a hangover from the Sheffield Wednesday game for a few players like Giroud, I don't know. But in the second half, it was a very different beast. And if you talk about the movement of a player, the movement of Olivier Giroud on that first goal was... Like fascinating to watch, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. Re- when you see replays of it, there was a lot to it. You know, this hiding behind mm. Sacker thing was was great. I enjoyed that. And then I was looking at it, going, "Why is he pulling Sacker's shirt out of the way? Yeah, what's he what's he pulling his shirt for? I mean, you know, maybe some propulsion. I don't know what it was. He was trying to slingshot around the sun, some kind of shit like that. Uh, and then he took a step one way, and Ashley Williams was trying to come around the other side to to block him off and to to get goal side and obviously prevent him getting the header. But just a final little shimmy, like Giroud's not necessarily a guy that you would associate with with quick feet. If you were going to have a dancing competition, he wouldn't be the guy. He wouldn't be the guy that you'd pick. But this little move one way and then he stepped back and I guess there's some measure of anticipation and awareness of where the ball might end up and a really good header as well.
0: Yeah, I think it was like he was trying to sort of catapult himself into space off Mertesacker and while I agree he's not the the daintiest on his feet his movement in the penalty box has always been really good you know, he's always made those sort of trademark near post runs but this was a a really well worked set piece I I think I said last week it looks a little bit like we're improving in that area and great delivery from Ozil and a a good run and good header so Mm. it kind of needed I felt like it probably needed to be a set piece to get us in front you know, we, we hadn't produced a huge amount of opportunities Giroux and Campbell had, had missed a couple but our attacking game wasn't clicking massively but once we mm. went ahead and Swansea were forced to come out we looked a lot more dangerous uh, on the counter attack interesting
1: isn't it that we are after so long or one of the things that people used to say about Arsenal was that we're no good from set pieces. We never score from set pieces. We never score from corners. They're they're a complete waste of time. And uh, in recent weeks, that's proved not to be the case. We're actually quite good at that. And there was a good stat on Match of the Day that that, uh, since his arrival, Giroud has scored 15 headers, which is more than Mm. anybody else in the Premier League in the same period. So
0: so that's good. That is really good, yeah. I saw that recently. And I I do think delivery is improving as well. That was always the frustration so often... You'd see, you know, the, the the corners hit the first man. We talked about it, I think, a lot last season, but it does seem to have been a marginal improvement there. Who knows? Maybe they've even practiced. Can you imagine? Oh, gosh, so, yeah, it's, it sounds like almost plausible. And
1: imagine the the almost. difference the difference between getting the ball into a dangerous area and having it headed away by the guy standing at the near post. It's it's oh, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Must have just clicked Crazy one thing. day on the training ground. Hey, what, what if we try this instead?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Borough Primreich had a bright <laughs> idea. He'd been, try- he'd been trying to say it for years. Yeah. And every time he spoke up, Arsene shushed him. He's like, Arsene, I Arsene have idea. Shh, Borra, Go and put the cones out like I've told you. Yeah. And then he just shakes his head sadly. Go on, help Rio and help Riyomiachi the one- with the cones. Yeah, that's it. Ryo Miachi injured again, apparently, by the way. Really? Um, yeah, poor old Rio. I think he's done his knee ligaments again out till January. Oh, right. Um, there you go. Someone just told me that in passing last week. Yeah. Wish him all the best, but sort of not our problem anymore, is it? Was, it, was
1: that like was that like the butter and jam thing? You were just walking down the road and some guy came up to you and said, uh, by the way, uh, Rio Miachi's done his uh, knee ligaments again.
0: Yeah, I think it was Ryo Miachi, actually. Yeah, yeah. just hoping for a bit of recognition. Um <laughs> Anyway, so we went one 0 up and then Second goal. Let me ask you. Classic Yeah, go on. Foul or not? Like if it had been at the Ooh. other end. Ah, well that's a different question. <laughs> <laughs> um I think Yeah, I think I'd be I was a bit surpri- I was a bit surprised to see it not given as a foul. Let's put it like that. Really? Um Yeah, I think so. Just goalkeepers are so protected. Well they are,
1: yeah. I mean that is the surprise. The goalkeepers tend to get the benefit of the doubt ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time. Um, I'm not
0: convinced that anything untoward went on, but I think in mo- in eighty percent of cases a referee blows up there.
1: I just said ninety nine point nine nine percent, and you're you've just undermined me by nineteen point nine 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 percent.
0: All right, well let's call it like you know, ninety point five or whatever in the middle. I'm not a mathematician, somewhere in the middle of that. A lot of the time, let's yes. say. Uh, I think um, I
1: think really should have been stronger goalkeeping to be honest. Well, I mean he's got
0: previous, hasn't he? He has. He has. He's had his moments in the past and we have been witness to those moments. Yeah, I mean I've always felt that Fabianski's reputation was a little I mean, you know, he, he got better didn't he in his time at Arsenal and his last season produced some some pretty important contributions. Hmm. But uh I always think back of him as a, a bit of an accident waiting to happen to be honest yeah um, and I was grateful for it this time
1: did you see the nice. uh, the interview with uh, Lauren Koscielny on Match of the Day where they asked him you know did you did you think it was a foul he said no I don't know you know uh, Olivia Giroud told me to put the ball in I did and then he just pissed himself laughing um, which was quite funny, <laughs> just the face it was like, right. oh, yeah, there, there probably could have been a foul there because I think players know as well as anyone else how, how protected the goalkeepers are and, and, uh, and the way that referees generally deal with, with situations like that. So,
0: so yeah, maybe yeah, we got I, away I, with I, it a bit, But I, I've noticed a thing, and I don't know if it's just my sort of imagination, but, you know, Koscielny and Giroud, they're big mates, aren't they? They played together in France and, you know, they, I think off the field they're sort of bezies. They're bezies. Oh, are they? Yeah Right But it seems to me Like they always score Whenever Koscielny scores Giroud scores as well Obviously not Whenever Giroud scores Koscielny scores It doesn't all work That way round Because Giroud scores A lot more often But like they both scored Against Everton this season Yeah I think they both scored Did they both score At Bayern Munich A couple of years ago Yeah I I think in 2013-14 They both scored Against Sunderland And Newcastle It's like they just Have little parties together (laughs) Interesting I wow. don't know what's going on there, Yeah, I like it. I've it, got no issue with it. No, I think it's good.
1: I think it's good. You know, Maybe they inspire maybe each means, other.
0: Well, yeah, or perhaps logically, they both score against teams who aren't very good in the air. I don't know.
1: But how many of those goals were actual headers? Because Koscielny's cause got a couple of goals, not necessarily from his head, but from sort of penalty box poaching more than than thumping headers, you know? Scrambles. Yeah, he scramblers. Scramble. Yeah, you know He loves a scrappy goal, doesn't he, Koscielny? Yeah, like the one in the FA Cup final, remember? He sort of hooked yeah, it in yeah, yeah. and then got smashed to bits and you know couldn't celebrate it properly because he was pr- probably quite hurt. But he does like those kind of scrambly ones from close range. Um, so yeah, I wonder how, how many of them were headers. Somebody
0: could check. Know. Listen, up to Joe or whoever it is, what's going on? Tell yeah. us. Um, so 2-0 then, and then Joel Campbell iced the cake beautifully he
1: really did lovely finish and a goal I think it would be fair to say that he thoroughly deserved based on the the performance in the game
0: yeah I would agree with that I thought in the first half where we were struggling a bit he was probably our best player um, and then you know across the course of the 90 minutes worked really hard I mean that is the main thing isn't it he worked exceptionally hard mm. as he did at Sheffield Wednesday to be fair but he was a little bit well quite a lot better on the ball this time Um, and I thought, yeah, really encouraging. I guess, I don't know, I mean, I guess it, you know, I think we have a tendency, I said this on my post-match video, but we have a tendency to really polarise players, you know, either we sort of build them up to be world-class or they become kind of joke figures, Mm. whereas someone like Campbell, who's sort of on the fringes of the squad, kind of operates somewhere in between that, you know, he's he's probably not good enough to start for Arsenal week in, week out. But he's certainly good enough to be you know, fourth or fifth choice in his position and come in and, and do a good job and pr- probably would, would do all right for a number of Premier League teams. So I guess we've got to be glad that we've got someone like that in the squad. I think if you see how raw someone like Alex Awobi looked in midweek, to have someone with his level of experience to come in is a, a real boost.
1: Yeah, you know, we, we've um, Yeah, we have talked about him before. And I think a lot of the time you take your cue from the way the manager treats a player. Also, you know, that that if a manager doesn't pick a guy or doesn't put him on when you need a goal and he's a forward, you kind of read things into that, which I think is perfectly natural. Um, I don't think anybody would have ever said that Campbell at Arsenal was given a fair chance or given a reasonable chance to show what he could do. But at the same time. There's a reason why, for example, he wasn't playing ahead of uh, of Danny Welbeck, of Aaron Ramsey on the right hand side, of you know, uh, of other players. But maybe what he's done mm. there as well is he's kind of um, he's put it up to the Ox a little bit, who would be ahead of I him or so, would yeah. have been ahead of him certainly in terms of the manager's thinking and the way that, that he plays. But uh, Oxley Chamberlain hasn't really taken his chances so far this season. He's been costly at times. And, and Campbell given a chance. And maybe there's a touch of the, the whole Cockerland thing going on here as well, that he knows that, look, these guys aren't going to be out injured forever. Hang on, this is Arsenal, they probably will. But no, he knows that they're going to be back at some point. So when he does get a chance, he's really got to, he's really got to try and make the most of it. Um, performance-wise, fantastic. Really worked hard, deserved a goal. And that then gives the manager something to think about. And obviously provides him with a bit of a confidence boost as a player. You know, you could see it. There was a moment, wasn't there, a few minutes later where he went through on goal and he had Alexis inside and he had Ozil going outside him. And he took a shot and smashed it, not too far over the top corner of the goal. Alexis went bananas. Did you see the reaction? Yeah. He went yeah, bananas. He wasn't sure for that. But in fairness, in fairness to Campbell on the day, I think he's more than, more than, uh, uh it was fair enough for him to, to take a shot and to not actually pass it to Alexis who didn't do an awful lot all day anyway, so... Uh, no, yeah,
0: exactly. He didn't have his best game. And I, I think the other thing is that if you look back and think about the successful seasons that we've had at Arsenal, mm. there are always these kinds of players who make, you know, not massive contributions, but who come in and do the odd, you know, score the odd goal. I always think of Chris Ray, you know, in 97-98, who I don't think any of us would claim was necessarily the best footballer who we've ever had on the books. He was but shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. but he was George Ware's cousin. Come on. Yeah. I mean, how did he end up at the club? It was so strange, wasn't it? I mean, um, the, the fact that he's George Ware's cousin, is fine,
1: but there must be like all these top footballers in the world. They all have cousins and we never heard of any of them. Like you've never heard, <laughs> you've never heard of like Lionel Messi's cousin or, or Pirlo's cousin. Just because they're vaguely related to a guy doesn't mean he's going to be any good at football. Who was,
0: didn't Ali Dyer claim to be, you know, the guy Southampton signed and yeah. then had to take him off, didn't he? claimed to be related to someone as well. I
1: think he claimed to be related to George Weyer as well or that he came through the George Weyer Academy yeah. or... I'm just going to look it I up I mean, there. yeah.
0: So what, what I was going to yeah, say was... He's,
1: he's, he convinced um, Graham Soonest that he was the cousin of George Weyer. Oh, right. wow.
0: I think that's how Joel Campbell got into Arsenal. He convinced everyone he was the brother of Sol Campbell. And everyone's like, well... Let's get him on board. That is the nice thing about Joel Campbell. All the songs are recyclable, mm. you know. Mm. You can just slightly change a consonant and you've got, you got to have a load of songs for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, what the point I was making was that you need, you sometimes you need these sort of curious, curious little oddities of players to come in and, and make a contribution. And I think Campbell has put it up to us because what we always say with Chamberlain is that there's not enough end product. Campbell started one Premier League game uh, and he's opened his account for the club. So I think it is quite a finite window of opportunity for him. I think mm. it's basically until the international break. He's got the, the buying game, if he's selected in that, and then um, the North London derby at the weekend. But I mean, those wouldn't be bad games to make your presence felt in. And I think if he can do that, obviously it might might change things for mm.
1: him. Uh, you know, he, he scores in every single Premier League game he starts in, Joel Campbell. He's got so. 100% record. Yeah. record. So look, that was us. Uh, Manchester City looked like they were about to drop some points until very late in the game, and their goalkeeper made a ridiculous mistake, and then uh, they gave away a penalty. It was a good penalty to give away, though, the handball.
0: Yeah, thanks, Norwich. Thanks a bunch. Um, But that's one where I can't get too stressed out about that because in my head they were winning that game about 6-0. Do you Mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So... That's that's not the that's not the one where we're going to win it. You know where we're going to edge ahead. I don't think. No. City at home to Norwich. I think they'll they'll canter through a lot of those teams.
1: Yeah. Um, Chelsea
0: lost <sighs> again. Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you wholly enjoy that? Did you have any qualms about celebrating Liverpool's victory, or were you just fully on board?
1: Absolutely no qualms whatsoever. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I you were it was qualm free. I was absolutely without qualm. Um, yeah, no, no, great. I mean, it's just fantastic. Um, and the more irate and angry he gets, the better. Every week we're having this this little moment to, to bask in his in his misery. the the um, The reaction when, when Lucas didn't get sent off uh, was was brilliant, just hilarious.
0: Yeah. You know. Just I mean, that move. was quite extraordinary that he didn't get sent off. I thought. As I well. thought he was but,
1: a little bit lucky. Was... In fairness, yeah, I thought he yeah, was a bit. Yeah. Even though we've spoken about this before, and I think there is a tendency um, to to issue that second yellow card a bit too easily. You know, I think really sending off should be something of a something of a last resort. But hey, when the referees' decisions aren't going for you. You know, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. So it, do, it doesn't seem like he's getting the sack yet. So hopefully there'll be more chances to enjoy his um, his unhappiness.
0: Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, let's let him continue on. I think we play them in January. So if he could just hold on to them, it'd be great to, to deliver the, the final blow, as unlikely as it seems. But uh, yeah, it's a curious old situation. And poor old and Sess dropped... To the subs bench, he's probably better off out of it. To be honest, he's probably chuffed. <laughs> well, they did
1: say certain players were saying after the game they'd rather lose than win for the manager, and that, if true, that's coming from a BBC reporter. If that's true, that really makes his position more or less untenable. I think you can't turn that around if you've got if you've lost the dressing room to that extent. You know that's really really difficult to 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 get on top of again.
0: Yeah, well, the danger signs were there when Eden Hazard missed a penalty in midweek. Because he doesn't miss penalties, he can only have done that on purpose.
1: I suspect. Oh yeah, nice. There's good conspiracy theory for people there. All right. All right. Well, look, that will take us to the end of this uh, this part of the show. We're going to come back in a second with part two and your questions right after this. Welcome back to the ArseCast Extra. This is the time where we answer your questions sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at ArseBlog with the hashtag Cast Extra. So uh, you can go first, or did you go first last week, or will I go first? or what, what, How do you want to play it? How do we work this out? I
0: don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't worrying about it, but now I am. Yeah, well, I'll tell on. you what, I'll you know, go first. Well, maybe we I'll should do first. something. We should toss a coin. Rock, paper, scissors? Okay, let's let's do that. Okay, okay. rock,
1: paper, scissors. One, two, okay.
0: three. Okay, one, two, three. Um, I, not, what, oh. I can't see what you're doing. It doesn't work on a podcast. Rock. It? I had a rock. Yeah, you would say that. You're just saying that because you can smell that I've got scissors. I don't know. what. You go first. Okay. Heads or tails?
1: Oh, we don't have it's a tails t- here. We have a harp. Heads or, head or harp?
0: Oh, you don't have tails. Well, we no. don't have, to be fair, there's never, oh, it's a coat of tails, is it? What? It's not a picture of an animal's tail, is it, on a coin, ever? No. But there no. is a picture of a head.
1: Well, not not on this uh, one euro coin. I've got a one euro coin, which is a, which has got a big number one, and then like Europe on the front, and then on the back there's a harp, because it's a, an Irish issue.
0: Um, right, I mean, hand. I've got a 2P here. And it's got the queen's head on it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the queen's tail. It's got some sort of feathers on the other side.
1: Maybe that is her tail.
0: <laughs> Maybe. You never see much below the head of the queen, do you? She's not. Mm. She's, she's often wrapped up, so it'd be difficult. She could be covered in feathers.
1: Yeah. I think it's probably part of the old uh, royal interbreeding thing that they are the entire lower part of their bodies are just covered in scales or or feathers or...
0: Well, they're lizard people, aren't they? I'm sure that's Mm. been proven.
1: And, And we know that lizards are related to birds and ultimately they come from dinosaurs. So what you're saying is that Queen Elizabeth is a velociraptor.
0: I mean, if someone can disprove it, I'll be interested to hear it.
1: All right, look, I'll go first. Okay. all that. This one comes from uh, Alistair Wood at Alleyboy82. And he said, if you had to win and lose one each of the next two games, which would you win
0: and why? The derby. Mm, yes. It would be the derby for me. Um, A, because... I don't know. Well, I think I think in my head, we've already the beaten one, Bayern it? Munich. You know, it's kind of boring. That's it, if it. We've beat done them it. Again. You know, been there, I mean, done that. I, well, I'd feel guilty about it if anything. Pep Guardiola's sad eyes, looking darker than ever. I think um, I think it's because it's all. I think it's all about the league for us this season. I think, mm. as fans, I think there's a sense that even if we do somehow escape from the group of death featuring Dynamo Zagreb and Olympiacos that uh, we won't progress much further you know we've sort of grown accustomed and quite tired of that fact that we get eliminated in the early knockout stages whereas it feels like there's a real opportunity in the Premier League you know we talked about Chelsea Manchester United dull as dishwater at the moment aren't they mm. really not particularly inspiring so it feels like it could turn into a straight fight between us and City Um and that's one we've got a a real chance in also I just can't bear to lose a a North London derby at least if we lose against Bayern I won't have you know Bayern fans taunting me on my on my journeys around North London Mm. waving their toast at me just with (laughs) jam all over it no butter look what we've done and um I you know so I think it's got to be that what about you
1: oh yeah the derby yeah for sure for sure um all because of how important the league is and the fact that we're in a good position in the league. Also the fact that, you know, it's Tottenham and their are cunts and you want to beat them every time that rivalry is there. That isn't necessarily there with, with Munich, you know, um, just because we, we have to play them every year. Tottenham, that is. And Bayern, actually. It feels like we play Bayern every year as well. But, you know, the league is the one. The league is the competition on which the biggest focus has has got to be or it's the one that's most important for us so uh case or, or I in europe uh, on wednesday obviously i'd like us to win but if i had to choose it would definitely be it would definitely be sunday
0: arson sort of let that slip actually there was a really interesting quote from him um in the last week or so in which he said the league is is our competition that we want to focus on mm. i don't know if it was you know just a Slip of the tongue or whatever, but I think you know there is that sense around the club at the moment. And if we if we do go out of Europe, it won't be because of what happens this week. It will be because of what happened a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, okay. But on the subject of the Bayern game, at Gunnar Galla asks, do you think we're going to change formation for the trip to Bayern, like having an extra man next to Santi?
1: I did wonder about that. I have to say whether or not they, you know, he might just stick a Flamini in the midfield area and be a little less attacking. But then I don't quite know what you do from the right-hand side. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we played them at home, we had Walcott as this outlet and whose pace we could use to sort of ease the pressure. You could see in the early part of the game how the players looked to find him over the top. They looked to find him very quickly. And that's not going to be the case with Giroud. Um, he's going to have to hold it up against two very big, strong center halves and try and bring others into play. So I wonder if that might be an influence on how the manager sets things up. Um, so mm. it, w- it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if Campbell was the one to miss out, and maybe he could yeah, bring Flamini coming yeah, in, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's I mean, not the, ideal the, to be honest, like, it would be better if it was somebody you know who wasn't quite Flamini, but uh. He might feel that that kind of security away from home is the thing, but then of course Flamini is an auxiliary centre forward as well. We can push him, push him on when when we need to break. He'll just hang around. Yeah, He'd be a goal poacher.
0: The full six, <laughs> I think. If Flamini, the, the the problem is there are two issues. I guess one is Arsene's very wedded to keeping Kazola in the middle of the park. I think he's shown that now, mm. you know, um, and I think justifiably so. And the other thing to consider is that without Walcott. You know, let's say you took. Does that make keeping Campbell's pace in the side that much more important? Yeah. Um, to give you a runner off Shiroud as well as Alexis, so it's a really difficult one. I think you'll probably end up going with the same side, but that that would be the change that I might anticipate, which could be to bring in Flamini for Campbell. You can keep Kazola central, just in a more advanced role, and maybe push Özil out onto one of the flanks, but as he did at Bayern. Um, I think last time we were there mm. but uh, that didn't work too well as I recall so we, we shall see we shall see what happens I, I think I think he'll go with the same side but that's the one change that that he might make yeah I'm looking forward to Matt Macy's debut in goal as well yes that obviously will be good that mm. will be good
1: um <sighs> All right. This one comes from um, Darren Arsenal 1, who wants to know, is Remy Gard's arrival in the Premier League a precursor to him being favourite to replace Arsene Wenger when the time comes?
0: Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Arsene's been talking up Remy Gard. It feels like for some time, it feels like for for years, he's sort of been on his radar. This is his first signing, I believe, when he... Well, he wasn't even technically at the club yet when mm. when Guard joined. He was one of the the envoys along with Patrick Vieira. Um, I mean, it all depends on how Guard does. By all accounts, he did a very good job at Leon in difficult circumstances at a time when uh, they had some real financial problems. But you know, it's a very different situation, Villa. And if he if he doesn't perform well there. He won't be in contention at all, whatever his connection, wouldn't mm. you say?
1: Yeah, of course. And we know how managers can be hot property one minute and then, and then just not uh, in a very short space of time. You know, there's mm. always the next guy who's going to come along and he's the next great young manager. He's going to be the guy who's going to do it. And I think what we've seen, uh, you know, in recent years is that consistency at managerial level is really, really, really difficult really difficult yeah. um, to maintain a level and to keep a team at a certain point, um, regardless of how frustrated you might be with some of the things we've done and or maybe haven't done, to maintain that level of consistency is the most difficult thing uh, as a manager. And too many managers have had great seasons or a good half season or three quarters of a season or, you know, a team has clicked and this kind of momentum has carried them through and, you know when it comes right down to it, they're not able to to replicate that, you know? Brendan Rodgers is a great example.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it, it is Arsene's consistency, I think, that really marks him about, out above all others. Um, and, I mean, Remy Gard, who knows? It really, really depends how it goes from him. I, I mean, I think that it's, it's sort of speculative debate, really. I know you had Amy on the show. Did you have Amy on the show And she was talking about possibly Thierry Henry? Yeah, know, last week. Quite well thought of. Mm. Yeah, and um, you know, there's Mikel Arteta who's doing more and more uh, coaching with the club now, and looking to take his badges and, and move that along. Patrick Vieira has been linked in the press with returning to the club in some sort of role from Manchester City. I actually happen to think that if and when Arsene does go, it will his replacement. In my opinion, will be somebody with more experience than than those kinds of guys, and even someone like Gard. just because I think it's such a big ask to replace someone who's been a figurehead of a club for two decades that I think it will need someone with a degree of, you know, sort of global reputation and confidence and ability to step in and do that. You know, I think you don't want to run the risk of a kind of Moyes scenario. So that that would be my instinct about how it will unfold.
1: Yeah, that is going to be the biggest uh, problem is the transition simply because of the influence he has not just as the football manager, but in every area of what the club does and how it operates and its transfer policy yeah. and everything else, you know, all of a sudden, if Arsene Wenger goes, there's there's a vacuum that probably will need to be uh, filled by not just one man. You know, we may have to mm-hmm. look at the we may have to look at the, the model of a sporting director or you know that kind of thing that that most um, big clubs operate let the manager, or the manager—not so much the manager, but the first-team coach—I think that's uh, the the job you see. So maybe that'll be that. But uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see if Guard does well at, at Villa, um, then maybe he he'll be a man for the job. But it's hard to know. It's hard to know. And I think Villa is a bit of a strange strange
0: club at the moment, anyway, isn't it? I think they're in a bit of a mess. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's a. Going to be a big ask for him to keep them up, whatever happens, really. Um, Let's have another speculative question. This is from Loris0.1, who's at human underscore zero underscore one on Twitter. And he asks, out of left field, Kevin Morales in January, yes or no? No. (laughs) Okay, well, there you go. But you
1: know, it was worth him asking, wasn't it? It certainly was. Um we got to the heart of the issue and and answered him in uh in the right way, I think. Um typically perfunctory <laughs> style. Your go. <laughs> My go. I think I feel like you've got away with one there. You know. Okay, do here's you want one. another one. You can no, another I'll one. do I'll do one. This one comes from Richard Pike and he wants to know, would you be happy to see Jamie
0: Vardy at Arsenal? I actually would be quite happy to see Jamie Vardy at Arsenal. I'm not sure that we need him. Um I also think, I mean, he's 28 years old. He'll be 29 in January. Uh, so I do think he'll be in a hurry to get himself a nice big move. But I think he's a really exciting player to watch. I, I love how direct he is. I love his pace. I think he's he's finishing really well. I think he's a real, th- real threat. And he mm. was superb against us, actually, as well. Um, I think if Danny Welbeck comes back, I think we've got, in Walcott, Welbeck and Giroud, a healthy contingent of strikers. If, if Welbeck has any kind of setback, then he is someone who I think is a, a genuinely interesting player, actually. I know that he's, it's sort of difficult to ascertain if he's got that kind of you know, Champions League level quality because he's come from so far, from the non-league. But, you know, I know it's a different time, but Ian Wright was a very, very late bloomer. I think he arrived at Arsenal about 27, 28. Um, I don't think it will happen. And, I, and I'm sure his price will be exorbitant given his Englishness and his form, but mm. I definitely think he's a, an interesting player. What do you I, make of him?
1: I like watching him, I have to say. I like the way he just... just there's no messing about when it comes to his finishing. He smashes them, like smashes them. Yeah. Yeah. There's no finesse. It's just absolute power every time, and I love watching it. You know, I do, you do have yeah. to wonder whether or not he's a guy who, who is going through a particularly purple patch you know sure i think he probably is i yeah. think he probably is and he's in a team which is uh which is performing really well and they've got some really exciting players lester uh, they're, they're fun to watch the way that they play and the way that they attack um mm. so i think it, it in a way it might be a case that where he's at now is exactly the perfect place for him you know his his role, his responsibility, the the way that uh, the team works. I guess to a certain extent for him, uh, and it it brings out the best of his qualities. Maybe he wouldn't be so effective anywhere else. At twenty nine, it's difficult to uh, twenty nine in January. You know, he's not a guy for the long term. But I like I like watching him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's very reliant on his pace, obviously. So mm. it's all about if he can sustain that really over the next few years. Mm. Um. This question is from at Naman Merah, Uh and they ask what was more hilarious from Jose, the seven-minute rant or nothing to say? The seven-minute rant, for sure, <laughs> for sure, because
1: that was just like seeing a guy go off, go off the deep end. Whereas the nothing to say stuff, you, you, it feels a bit, it's a bit contrived or something, isn't it? You know, it's yeah, just like ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah now, come on, go mad, go mad, please, if you wouldn't mind um so yeah, for me that that was that was more enjoyable It's, it's good to watch people you know have vague breakdowns live on television, I think
0: unfurl yeah what do you think mm, i I enjoyed the Seven minute Run a lot as well, um but the nothing to say. I don't know there was a there wasn't a, the same sort of madness in his eyes, but there was a sadness which brought with it its own glee in me. Mm. Um, You know, horses for courses. I like that I've got both that I can watch on YouTube whenever I like, you know, depending on my mood. Yeah, Um, It's nice to have options.
1: (laughs) All right, here's a question from Steady at I underscore am Steady. And he said, if you were to reshuffle our first 11 and put players in their worst possible position, how would the team look? That's a great question. So I reckon we can work this one out. So let's go goalkeeper. Santi. Yes. Okay, so goalkeeper is Santi Cazorla. Uh, right back. So you've got to find someone who uh, just wouldn't be
0: any good there. I mean, so my first thought is Mesut Ozil Mm-hmm. Simply because left-sided... So that's always a bit awkward a wrong foot left back. Not a great defender. Mhm. Um my only my only hesitation is really should we be putting him at center half here? Urzel at center half,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I think that could be I think that could work well actually. Urzel at center half. But then who's your right back maybe? So uh, what what first eleven are we using? Can we sort of Pick, I know, we, we can, yeah, so we, we can we can we can use the whole squad here, I think. So okay, um, all right. Well, let's have Urzal at centre half, I think, in front of Cazorla. Um Okay, we need a we need another centre half then.
1: So let me just see. I'm just going to get the old squad list up here. You know, it's easier to see. Teams, yeah, of course. There we go. They'll be
0: shouting it out at home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh centre half I mean look Jack Wilshire. Here's Jack Wilshire maybe Theo Walcott I, maybe Jack Theo Walcott would be bad Theo the- Walcott would be bad okay there is our defensive uh duo so I think maybe it's worth trying to get I don't know but might be worth trying to get Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in as left back or something because he's always giving the ball away isn't he in defensive scenarios he's always making big errors at yep. the back I could
1: go with that I could go with that um, so we need so a I'm right back a left.
0: I mean I'm thinking maybe Ospina maybe some Ospina <laughs> yeah that's not a bad shout I was going to go for Arteta because imagine him against a flying winger it's not a fair matchup Jefferson Montero against Mikel Arteta but Ospina is a keeper yeah so that's a not going to yeah. be good
1: that's a great back five uh, Cazorla in goal Ospina Ozil and Walcott at centre half Oxley chamberlain at left back we need a DM
0: right now Flamini? No. Um, <laughs> uh, that's have uh, See, the thing is, can't say Joel Campbell. I think he'd be quite good. Yeah, He's great in the tackle, isn't
1: he? Yeah, well, you see, once you start getting into midfield, it becomes a little bit more. You can put uh, forwards at the back and, and defenders up forward, but once you get into midfield... Well, let's do the forwards
0: next, I think.
1: <laughs> okay, well, look, I think the right side, uh, right side of forward, Permer to Sacker okay yeah because yeah, yeah. there's a there's a there's a a need for that player a to be a bit pacey b to um you know to be able to get up and down the pitch and track back, and as we know center halves you know they play there for a good reason it's not that they don't like running per se it's just that there's less running to do there than if you're playing you know at fullback so uh, that's why a man yeah
0: who plays in that position
1: yeah, absolutely yeah. absolutely <laughs> I remember like um having to play. When I come back from Spain, I joined a team and we were playing like Saturday, properly, you know, organized league football. And I play center half. And I was one day asked to play right back on a very heavy pitch. And at one point, the entire game stopped. And I was wondering, why the fuck are all the guys looking at me? Why is everyone, why is everybody on the pitch looking at me? And I realized we had like a throw up by their 18 yard line. And I was the guy that was supposed to take it. So I was going, oh, fuck, I'm not used to this running up. So I had to run up, take the throw, and then slowly trudge back and it didn't work out well at right back. So uh, I think Murtisacker on the wing, yeah, he'd, he'd have a difficult time there.
0: Okay, okay, I'm, I'm on board with that. This is getting trickier, though, now, looking at it. Mm-hmm. So who's your centre forward? Who's your number nine? Uh, Maybe... I mean, I'm tempted to say Wilshire. Because I feel like any challenge from a centre half is an injury almost automatically. Mm. Uh um, but he can finish. He can finish. What about Sonogo? Sonogo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're allowed Sonogo, I mean that's not the worst shout. Um yeah, maybe maybe Arteta at centre forward. Hm. He's not gonna get away from anyone, is he? No, he's not. And he's not, you know, I mean, he's not a prolific goal scorer. He can finish, but not of late. He's not been scoring goals of late, apart from from the penalty spot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I I would go, I could go with Arteta at centre forward. Um, All right, So now
0: we need a left winger. Um, Who's our number 10? Who's our, like, Ozil replacement? Who's our creative force? Gabriel? Dabushi,
1: yeah. Dabushi, left wing, I think maybe. Dabushi, left wing, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, okay. But though he would at least have the the yeah. physical thing. I think we need to make maybe him de, playmaker. He's the playmaker, Dabushi, for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's not going to work out well.
1: He's in a free role. <laughs> so maybe
0: Gabrielle's on the left wing, is he? Yeah,
1: yeah. I could put
0: Gabrielle out there. I think he'd go mad. So we need a couple of sort of holding deep lying midfielders. Yes. Bellerin? Um Yeah, I mean but he's good at football. But he could good be good, football. yeah. He is good at football, isn't he? I mean, who've we not got Danny Welbeck? I think he'd be all right. Yeah. We've got the the physicality, the pace. He's got the stamina, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um what about Kieran Gibbs in the center of the park? Yeah, I I don't think that would work out well for I don't fancy um, it at all.
1: Hmm. So we need one more. One more central midfielder.
0: Okay. Matt Macy's got a chance, hasn't he? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: Alexis, dare I say Alexis, as a deep lying midfielder? Because
0: he tends to. He Cochlear. does have
1: a. He does have a. You know, there's a of
0: losing the ball a little bit. And he would wander from his position. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Defensive I think discipline. put him in the Coquelin role.
1: Okay. All right, then. So there's our team. So run run us through it. Goalkeeper Cazorla. Right back, Ospina. Centre halves, Ozil and Walcott. Left back, Oxlade-Chamberlain. We've got uh, Alexis as the, the DM, the Coquelin DM. Another central midfield player, Kieran Gibbs. Matthew Debussy is our playmaker, our number 10. The guy who's gonna make things tick. On the right wing, Per Mertesacker, on the left wing, Gabriel, and up front Mikel Arteta.
0: Think that team Brilliant. would and struggle. Look, we've got a plan we've got a plan B because we can bring Petr Cech on. Imagine him having to go up challenging for aerial balls with that hat on. It'd be a nightmare. Yeah. Though it would so, make the
1: ball skid off all over the go. place, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, that is quite an extraordinary team. Uh, mm. Maybe we'll put that out in the Capital One Cup next year or something. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Do you have one more? Yes, I do. Uh, but I, I must confess, I am worried that this will just spark another ruckus debate. Adam oh, no. Brooks, who's okay. at Harry Nose Dad on Twitter, says, "I love Arsenal, but what is the best chocolate bar?
1: The best chocolate bar." Hmm. That's a really good question, I don't quite know
0: um the best mind the best not what's quite good, the best chocolate bar not not even your favorite the best oh, but surely my favorite is what's the best in my opinion wow, you'd you'd think that about toast, Andrew, but clearly not
1: <laughs> um what what would be the best chocolate bar like the big ones are kind of boring, you know the Snickers and the Mars the Milky Ways they're not that I mean they're classics for a reason but they're not that exciting are they
0: you've grown fatigued of them
1: yeah over the years Do
0: do you remember Cadbury's Fuse no what's that that was really it was short lived it had like a two year lifespan it was really weird it had like raisins in it and like I don't know dynamite or something. Mm. It was sort of horrible, but, you know, they put a lot of marketing behind it. I, I like to the one... What are you buying?
1: What am I buying? I don't really buy... I like uh, the Reese's Pieces peanut butter cups, have to say. Do you know what? That's, that is a great shout. I think that could be right up there with, with the best. Even though, when you go to America, and I don't know if you've ever done this, bought some Hershey's chocolate and then eaten the mm. Hershey's chocolate... And then you realize, this this chocolate tastes like vomit. Why yeah, does it taste? It is horrific. It is unbelievable. I don't understand. Is there something? What is with the taste buds of American people? Are we that different that we can't, we, we just can't process what this is? Because uh, uh, Hershey's make Ree- Reese's Pieces peanut butter cups, as far as I'm aware. It's the same, same people, but the Hershey's chocolate on its own is frankly one of the most disgusting things i've ever ever eaten
0: so yeah i would concur it's good to know that we're back on side yeah i'm glad we found some common ground again yeah finally um i'm i'm with you on the reese's pieces as well big fan i have to say of the classics i'd be going snickers as well so there's a there's a strong peanut theme yeah, running through my, my I, choices. I'm, I
1: would definitely be like Snickers uh, above a Mars or a Milky Way or a Twix yeah. or or anything like that. Uh, a marathon, as they used to be called, of course. When when times were good,
0: that mm. was the
1: best. That was the best time of life when that Snickers them was called. Made healthier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, that was um, good. What well, else? I'm look, a big I, fan I was... of peanut butter M and M's too. Not peanut butter peanut yeah. M and M's. Just peanut M and M's. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I'm glad. I thought this was going to create more division, this question, but actually it's created a rather harmonious atmosphere in the podcast.
1: Excellent. This is good. This is good. Maybe there's a future
0: for us after all. Maybe. Maybe we will stay together.
1: All right. Well, look, um, we'll leave it there. Keep fingers crossed for the, uh, for the game against Byron on Wednesday. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll be back to discuss a North London derby, James, next week. North London derby.
0: It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, very exciting. It is big they week. They play tonight. They play Aston Villa, the Tim Sherwood Derby. The tonight. Tim that, that he's not even involved in. No, but he'll be watching. He'll be watching. Yeah. Oh, Tim.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll uh, we'll catch you on the next one, and uh, I'll be here on Friday with a regular old RS cast for you, looking ahead to that game against uh, against Tottenham. So until then, cheers. Bye bye.